0: Welcome to the rent to retirement podcast, your resource for passive real estate investing and retirement strategies. If you're new to real estate or planning your financial future, you're in the right place. Join us at rent to retirement.com to find your path to financial freedom and an easy carefree retirement. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, rent to retires Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast. I am pleased to be joined by two members of the rent to retirement team, and that is our founder and CEO, Zach Lee Master, as well as our educational content producer and young millennial who keeps us all <laughs> up to date on the trends and everything that's going on, Sam Hack. Thank you, too, for joining us today. How are y'all?
0: Doing well, Adam. This is something I think is very relevant to all of our listeners and each and every one of us is just planning for retirement. I mean, there's a reason we named our company the way we did, Rent to Retirement, because that's really the the end goal here, uh, is talking about how to create your own retirement picture based on the financing options and and the different investment asset classes that we all choose to create that retirement picture on, on our timeline. Obviously, we're very biased about real estate, <laughs> but we always have to compare the different options out there. 401ks are so highly accepted and almost the norm of any employer, for rightfully so, from their perspective, um, now that pensions are really a, a way of the past. Um, but there's just a most, most commonly accepted retirement program, really, that the government has, has made available. So we're going, going to do a little bit of comparing and contrasting. Sam's going to start by giving us kind of a, a walkthrough of the history of 401ks and a few data points that we like to compare. But um, yeah, Sam, what do you think? I know you presented on this topic uh, quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Adam, thanks for having us on. Um, This is a really
2: important topic because I think a lot of our investors or people that are getting into real estate have 401ks or existing IRAs and they realize they want to diversify all their eggs are in one basket in their 401k and it's all been in their employer's control for a long time. And they're looking for something a little bit different. So it's good to just be aware of of how it stacks up to real estate and how we might be able to be more successful in real estate or just diversify. Um, to start out, the history of 401ks and why exactly they came about was in 1978. Prior to 1978, we had employers with pension funds. And they were basically saying, hey, we are going to take care of your financial future for you. You've heard about these probably from your grandparents, whether they're auto workers or just corporate people. Um, They've got this great pension payment every month and it's managed by someone that the corporation hired. Maybe their internal finance department or external company managing this fund. And so you didn't have to worry about anything. It was withdrawn from your paycheck and we knew exactly what was going into the plan and you knew what you were going to get out guaranteed. Then in the seventies, we started to see this pattern of mismanagement and volatility in the stock market and pension fund managers sort of freaking out that they weren't going to be able to fund what they said they were going to fund for these people that were retiring. And so the IRS decided that uh, they would allow for this new type of retirement strategy, which is now called the 401k. And they're going to let people contribute to plans themselves and we are going to have a, a defined contribution instead of a defined distribution. So you now know what you're putting in, but there's no guarantee of what you're going to get out. It's all dependent on the market. So we went from having pension fund managers managing our money to now we're essentially managing our own money. The risk is now on us, not on the corporation or the pension fund.
0: And it just makes sense, right? From a, from an employer perspective, um, you know, not having to Pay people for the rest of their lives for a, a certain level of employment um, just makes financial sense. Where uh, so I mean, it, this all is is probably something that we saw coming even even far before the timeframe that four hundred one ks were widely accepted. But we did see many pensions, and we still have even recently pensions go bankrupt. And so even yeah. a pension isn't isn't guaranteed. Um, you know, and there still are some pension programs or hybrids available. The military is a perfect example of this that's one of the biggest benefits of people joining the military and keeping them in for 20 years is, you know, being able to retire with a set pension for, for life. Now we're seeing a blended retirement program. And ultimately, you know, with, with the TSP contributions, probably the phasing out of, of even that pension over time. Uh, that was before this, this happened after my time in the military, but to learn about it afterwards, where it's going towards a, even more of a, like a hybrid type of 401k with contributions, it's it's easy to see that even the government, I mean, you, you just can't pay people until they die. You know, it's just not feasible financially. Uh, people are living longer uh, with inflation and, and wages going up. It's it's not sustainable, even if you're providing even a portion. So, I mean, it, in reality, I think what you pointed out, Sam, is that a 401k is actually relatively new in, in the idea of, of retirement. We're still very much in the theory phase um, and the pilot program, uh, as people are contributing to 401ks and getting closer to that retirement age, and what we're finding out, and you know, maybe you guys know someone that's retired successfully off a of 401k. I don't, um, you know, but the simple fact is, you are having to take control of your financial future. And a lot of people attribute just the 401k is going to be there, and and this is my retirement program, but not actually being aware of what that actually looks like in the future if a 401k contribution, I mean, let's run through some numbers and some examples. I think we've done this in the past, but as you contribute to your investing with a financial advisor, they are usually recommending over time, whether this is 401k or otherwise, if you're planning for long-term retirement, usually you you have an allocation of your funds that are on the front end as you're younger, based on your contribution limits for the future, that it's more allocated towards high risk, potential high return type of investments with a lower, lower portion in the uh, more fixed return type of asset class, whatever that is at your point in time, 70, 30, whatever the case is. But as you get towards retirement, obviously you want to have the larger portion of your retirement funds be in some type of fixed income scenario that's that's lower risk. So if we're actually looking at what what we're anticipating when you have, say, a million dollars, which there's less than 1% of people that enter retirement with a million dollars in their 401k. Um, I don't know if we have any stats on that, but that's just crazy. I mean, it's I mean, crazy. Number-wise, it doesn't work. Yeah, it I doesn't mean, work. If you're looking at a, you know, they're looking at less than a four percent return annualized when when you're looking at a uh, having a million dollars, which is a small portion of of the community of the population actually even having that. But at four percent, when you're looking at these low risk type of investments um, long term, because you're trying to retire off of it, that's only forty thousand dollars a year. Sure. Um, you know, in the future, you know, no one's going to be able to retire off of, off of that and live the same lifestyle. My idea of retirement, cause a lot of this is when we talk about retirement, it's not just quitting your job and it's, you know, depends. I mean, people talk about, Oh yes, but I'll have, when I retire, I don't have to worry so much about taxes because I'll be in a lower tax bracket. It's like, well, wh- well why is that? Because your distributions are less than what <laughs> you're earning at your active income, meaning that your lifestyle, and in theory, maybe you have your house paid off and things like this at, 30 years down the road, most people most people don't, but it's like, okay, do you really want to take a step back in retirement and lower your quality lifestyle? Um, not me. I want to be able to retire on my timeline, my terms, create my financial independence and not have the government regulating and telling me when I can have some distributions, things like this.
1: I could rant on for this and I'll get off my <laughs> soapbox, but Adam, what do you think? Well, it's also, I want to say, you talk about people were taking charge of their um investing whenever they did the 401ks, but you aren't really taking charge of it because you are restricted in what you can actually invest in with the 401k to whatever your employer and that company that you're working with wants you to invest in and are willing to allow you to put your money into it's unless you do like a solo 401k, you're not actually able to usually go in and say, buy these stocks or buy this index fund or that index funds. You're usually given a choice of, you know, five or six things you can invest in and then you go forward with that so it's a little bit more i mean with what we've seen on wall street with pension funds and how crooked those things are and how underwater they are and how you know they bet everything on some risky flash in the pan investment you see them going under you know it's probably better than that Um, but you know your your lifetime and your control just isn't there i mean if you're talking about putting in you know $19,000 a year for the next 40 years and you're going to be told exactly how you can invest it to me that's not something that uh, that I want to do because it's kind of like it's my money I should be able to invest it how I want you know but you shouldn't be dictating that to me but you can't really do a solo 401k if you're in with your company's 401k because they're not going to match that and so it's kind of why? In a lot of cases, I mean, that's why a lot of people just do the. But you almost have to go into the 401k if you're an employee, because they offer the match, and if you don't do it, then you're giving up some of the benefits that they're lowering your salary because they're including it in the match.
0: And we're not here to. You brought up a lot of good points, Adam. We're not here to just poo-poo on 401ks. <laughs> um, you know, I am, but uh, you know that doesn't mean that everyone <laughs> investing in a 401k is terrible. I don't have a 401k, and I never will. Uh, simply because I don't want the government telling me when I can uh, take distributions and how much that is. But that doesn't mean that you know it's, it's not the right investment for you. Usually there's a blend of different things. There's certain things you can do with a 401k. You know, take those matches, take those contributions. That's absolutely a good thing to do. But maybe it makes sense to do a solo 401k and redirect those funds so you do have control over them. When we talk about a self-directed IRA, it's really talking about control self-directing into the type of asset classes where you're not having you know, someone take large fees and tell you to, to buy these mutual funds and allocate this and this and this. I mean, I would encourage everyone as a, as a good exercise just to plan for retirement, really wrap your head around the numbers, is to map out with your, your financial advisor um, or whoever is assisting you with, with the allocation and planning with the 401k, map that out 30 years down the line to actually see how much money you're going to have in that, if you continue at your same contributions and matches, and then look at you know what your anticipated distribution and return on investment is, and in, in monthly cash flow is really what it comes down to. That's what you're living off of, um, and compare that to buying one rental property, one rental property that will be paid off in 30 years, that will have rental increases over time, you know, and all those tax benefits and other things. Because that's another thing we got to talk about. Really, what it boils down to is. What are the tax advantages? If you're investing, if you're young and investing in a Roth and allowing that money, I mean, that money is actually not growing. You're not paying taxes when you, you know, take distributions on that capital, but you are, taking, you are taxable based on the growth of that over time in, in many instances. I mean, compare that to the tax benefits of rental real estate where you can do things like a 1031 exchange and keep scaling up and then have a portfolio that you pass on generational wealth not being subject to taxes in many instances, potentially taking cost segregation studies or things like this to reduce your taxable income for that year. There's just so many better ways to do it. But even if you have a 401k, you can reallocate those to real estate investments and do some double dipping, you know, life insurance with whole life policies. That's another creative way that you can have no, you can have growth within your, within your life insurance policy that is not taxable. And then you can leverage and be, be the bank against yourself. So I mean, th- these are all things that you can incorporate. The important point I'm trying to make without going on too many tangents is simply look at where you're at. Look at your 401k scenario. And even if you have that great, continue to take those contributions or those, those matches, see if you want to try to self-direct that and allocate that to more real estate. But you got to have something in addition to a 401k. A 401k, unless you have you know five or $10 million in there, which means a lot of contributions and a lot of dependence on the stock market to get you to the point where you want to be year after year and then hopefully the timing is appropriate when you do retire it's like what if the market has a strong correction and you got to take 10 10 more years we've seen that that's a real scenario um but that's okay because social security is going to be around and be a saving grace for us all right
1: i mean social security would be there they're probably (laughs) not gonna be making any money (laughs) probably still gonna be getting like two thousand dollars a month uh when it comes to that but i would also want to remind people like if you if your job has a 401k when you leave that job, because let's be honest, nobody's staying at their job for their entire life like it used to be because of either their own decision or the company's decision. Make sure you roll it over into an IRA or something that you can have more power over. Like It's a really ridiculously easy process to do. Uh, just making sure that whenever you do leave one job for another, you roll over your 401k and uh, give yourself a little more power over how you can uh use the funds. Sam, you're a little bit younger, um, you know, as you are looking at it from, you know,
0: your standpoint of, of some of your peers kind of planning for retirement, um, you know, give us, give us your perspective of what you're doing personally, what you're seeing a lot of people doing and kind of the <laughs> new, the new thought process, I think really, cause even though a 401k in reality is, is quite frankly, a newer, kind of theoretical retirement program. I mean, the government has tried many things in the past as far as, and in most cases, they don't work, right? Pensions don't work. Um, 401ks have a limited capability and can be, you know, successful done appropriately, but I never, social social security we, we know is, is probably not something any of us should bank on. The main thing is I don't put any reliance in the government to provide my sort of retirement. Uh, there's, we, we have to take our own steps to educate ourselves and create our own plan through whatever avenue that, that is. But I mean, what what are your thoughts coming from your perspective, Sam? Yeah, definitely. I think
2: um, you really have to take a look at your personal situation and say, what does my financial life look like over time? And for people that are younger and ambitious like me, we see ourselves being in a higher tax bracket when we retire because we're gonna have all these different income sources and businesses and, and things like that. And the mechanics of a 401k say that you're investing with pre-tax dollars now, but you'll have to pay taxes when you retire or you take those distributions. And so we're looking at other financial products or uh, tax-advantaged accounts like Roth IRAs, because when we put in dollars now, they're post-tax when we're at a lower tax rate um, because we're just getting our career started. And then when we have tons of cash coming in later and we're in that really high tax bracket, we're going to not have to pay that down the line with the Roth. So... I really think everyone my age is swaying away from 401ks if they are financially savvy. But again, it's not bad if you're if you like the corporate nine to five. And I mean, we love W-2 jobs. Like it's great for lending and all that all that good stuff. So if that's what you want to do, make sure you take advantage of all the matches, et cetera. But if you're really planning your financial future and you believe in yourself and you also believe that tax rates will go up in the future, which I can almost guarantee that they will then, um, yeah, you probably want to get into a different type of tax advantaged account or real estate.
0: Yeah. Very good point. I may have said that, uh, incorrectly before, as, as far as the Roth and, and traditional contributions and growth, but the big point is, is that you can, you know, there, there's kind of two different ways to, to look at it really what's attractive. I think, I mean, the 401k, you have a match, uh, from the employer. I think that would be the big attraction. That and it's, it's accessible and widely um, known as a, as a standard, really, in the employment space. I think that's what drives people to contribute to 401k is a simple fact of getting that match. And it's, it's just easy, right? You just sign up for it with your employer. Path um, least resistance. Yep. So it doesn't take a lot, of, a lot of time and energy to really learn it. Most people don't even understand their, their own plan or really what they're investing in. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone has true understanding of, of how it's broken <laughs> down in the stock market, and may, um, no one really will, right? It's all theoretical. Um, the, the benefit to, I guess the driving factor to an IRA or one of these other additional um, accounts is is the tax benefits. I mean, you can take the tax uh, deduction now on a traditional and invest invest that money now to, ta- to reduce your liability now, but there's limits, strict limits on how much to do. I mean, for people making six figures, pretty much a drop in the bucket in terms of unless you're doing a SEP IRA, which has a little bit higher limits in that $50,000 range. Still though, um, that's a lot of money putting aside for the future for that that tax deduction right now. Um, or you can do a Roth as Sam talked about where you know, it's, it's post-tax dollars, but really the growth of it and distribution is, is the idea that that's going to grow over time. Um, or you can also do, take those and do a self-directed um, you know, investment whether it's Roth or traditional, and put it into other things that that grow with multiple ways of growing your net worth or appreciate, like real estate appreciation, debt pay down, using leverage within your uh, retirement vehicle. That's a huge weight that you can actually take and scale that over time. Um, but I think the big the big comparison here is like what what's the driving factor for people to invest in these things? So that would be the idea for is really taxes um, from a big standpoint. If you look at real estate and compare it. And this is why we're so biased about real estate. I mean, just personally, and this is what we've been successful with our own retirement picture. There's way more tax benefits without limitations investing in in rental real estate. You can invest through a self-directed IRA and get those tax benefits. It's still under that classification. But when you look at earning income, I mean, that's the beautiful thing. Your rental income on a rental real estate property is... In most cases, should be pretty much tax-free. We call it tax-free income. It's it's subject to taxes normally, but you have your depreciation. You have you know your um, mortgage interest. You have all your expenses, property management, you know insurance. All these things are deducted from your cash flow, but it's still cash flowing well, so it's positive income. But it's subject to less, if not no taxes on that. And so, as you scale your portfolio, you could have two, three hundred thousand dollars of income. Uh, through your rental real estate that you're paying minimal taxes on. However, if you were if that was normal income from your job or distributions from you know traditional IRA growth or something like that, you could be paying upwards of you know 50% taxes on that. That's a huge difference when you're doing retirement planning. Not to mention the additional tax benefits of growing that over time through 1031s, not paying your capital gains, ultimately creating generational wealth that you can pass on to your your family. Um, you know, and then there's a, a d- many other things that you can take even, you know, way more accelerated appreciation. We won't get into that. You know, I talk about cost tax studies all the time. That's very <laughs> important for our tax strategy. There's no limit on that. If you buy enough real estate and you're a real estate professional and qualify for that, you can wipe out your entire taxable income. Now, yes, that's recapturable if you sell the property, but you just got to have the right plan in place. So, I mean, there's just by educating yourself, there's way more tax benefits through real estate investing versus some of these traditional plans and and that's why it's important to learn about it and, and take advantage of some of those things.
1: Yeah, it's like whenever you saw, I mean, love him or hate him, when you saw Donald Trump's taxes and people were freaking out about, "Oh, he only paid $750 in taxes." It's like, "Well, yeah, there's a reason." I mean, there's you look at it and, you know, most likely when he when he was getting audited, they said, "Yeah, you followed the rules. You know, seven hundred and fifty dollars." And the media you know, you is going to ex- do that,
0: exploit that. And uh, I love his. And uh, you'll hear Kiyosaki talk about this all the time. But his response to Hillary when she was uh, really pressing him on that was, uh, "Yeah, th- that means I'm smart." <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's just he's uh, you know it's following, it's being aware, it's being a savvy investor and an entrepreneur and a you know savvy business person, not following the norm. I, I think everyone that would be listening to this gets that. So we we probably don't need to you know beat a dead horse here, but the main thing is just to go out, understand what your options are within a four hundred one k within an IRA. Uh, what options do you have? How do you create a plan? And just be consciously engaged in that. So many people just don't think about it. Right? Life is busy. You know, work is busy. They you know think that this is the norm and the easy thing to do and contributing to four hundred one k. But they actually don't have a clear picture of what that means and what that looks like. Thirty years down the line, or what is going to happen if the stock market, you know, is is quite uh, dramatically different, you know, in in thirty years when they actually want to start taking those those distributions? Um, Adam, I don't know if this was you. you maybe you talked about your father-in-law that, yep, that was, was thinking me. about retiring, and you know, no, he did. He okay, did. Retire. Let's talk about that real yeah. quick.
1: Yeah. So uh, this is the quintessential story of investing in the stock market. He. He was watching his account and he had a number. I don't remember, I don't know what the number was, but he had a number in his head of when my account hits this much, I'm going to retire. And he was getting close to the number. And then 2000 came and the dot com bust. And so that dropped him back multiple years. And then he got close again and he hit his number right in 2006. And he quit his job took the money, took the severance package, quit and came out. And then the market just tanked as we saw with the great recession. There's a reason it was called the great recession and he had to go back to work. I mean, he, he'd hit his number, but suddenly their retirement plan, the withdrawals that they were going to have just didn't work number wise. So he had to go back to work, you know, two years into retirement or something like that. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want to do that. That's not my uh <laughs> not my plan for retirement is going back to work full time at that point, point. and Sam, I don't know what numbers uh what numbers you had that you wanted to go over, but I kind of did some some rough numbers. I started from nineteen ninety and worked my way forward, looking at the stock market versus real estate and kind of how they performed. I want to go over those for just a minute and I tracked the s and p because that's tends to be what people go with when they overall market and so. From 1990 to 2021, it averaged about 10.21% a year. Obviously, some years it was huge, some years it was down, but it averaged out to 10.21% a year. And then I looked at the median household value in the U.S. from 1990 through 2021. You can find that on, uh, it was either census.gov or on the FRED um, website with the Federal Reserve. And the average appreciation for the median home value was 4% a year, which sounds bad when you compare it to that. But you also have to remember that every year, you're getting to write off 3.6% in depreciation on your properties that help you with your taxes if you don't do any cost seg studies. And if you have a W-2 job, you're probably not. Um, At least legally, you're probably not. Uh, And so that's another 3.64. That takes your return up to 7.6% just with your home value and the depreciation you're able to capture. That doesn't factor in any of the tax savings. It doesn't factor well, not much of the tax savings. It doesn't factor in any actual cash flow. And it doesn't factor in, you know, your potential to exchange and not pay taxes on that money. So, if you just look at the rough numbers, if you own your real estate and you're able to make a 3% return, roughly you're beating the S and P 500 year after and year. I, I love that analogy. And that doesn't
0: even in addition to talking about, it, that's just appreciation and the tax benefit focused only on depreciation, mm-hmm. not, not factoring in on all the other tax benefits. It's also not factoring in, as you mentioned, cash flow, which rents go up over time. Right. And so, yep. you know, but the big thing is leverage it's not factoring in you, putting a portion of that money down. You have $20,000 to invest. Into the stocks, you know, and and it's, you're just you know doing that alone. If you have five percent increase over one year, you get a thousand dollars on that twenty one or twenty thousand dollars. That's a five percent return on your investment. You take out twenty thousand dollars and buy a hundred thousand dollar investment property, and maybe achieve a twelve to thirteen percent cash on cash return from from rent year one. But if that property goes up in fi- the same five percent on a hundred thousand dollar property, you just created five thousand dollars of net worth. Uh, through the equity, which you're into the the property for twenty thousand dollars, has a twenty five percent return just on on growth. So I mean, all those things factoring in, it you know, it, it doesn't compare. And and someone could argue or bring up the question: Well, what about you know re- the real estate market is volatile? What about you know a crash? I mean, that's that's looking at at one metric, assuming that you have to sell that property or potentially, you know, you're in a position where you're just banking on appreciation alone. We preach the fundamentals of investing for cash flow. And creating a sustainable portfolio over time, you know, if it really doesn't matter, the market is, you know, really irrelevant in the big picture here because all real estate will go up over time, regardless of short-term fluctuations. Plus, you have your rental income that if you're not selling the property, in, in my opinion, the the value, the market valuation of the property is irrelevant because you're yeah. obtaining a, a return based on cash flow as you're holding that property over time. It's only relevant when you want to sell that property um you know but if you're getting a fixed return off of off a rental income plus the tenants paying the loan down you get the tax benefits in the meantime why why would you sell it you know all those things are creating those returns regardless of what the real estate market is is doing and if we look at over the overall corrections adam you presented on this previously but real estate corrections i think there was uh, two points in time where there was like you know we talk about 2008 and i think 1970 if i remember correctly was the largest decrease of what was it like seven or eight percent? But really, other than that, there's been other, only two other times in history where the average, it was about an average of six percent decrease in, in market value. Do you remember
1: those stats? Was, um, it was in the, hist- in the last 81 years, rents had gone up 79 out of 81 years. And in the last 62 years, I believe it was, the median household price had only gone down. Five or six times. And that's for a
0: select year. So like yeah. in, in 2008 and 2009, it was like 6.5, 6.6 yeah. or something like this. And in reality, that's a pretty minimal decrease in the rally. And then you look a few years later and it's dramatically higher. You know, the stock market is extremely more volatile than that. We see some huge dramatic swings Um, and sometimes it takes 10 years to recover from that. So I mean, those are just some things to, to compare and contrast. But we could probably go on and on about this, you know, all day long. Obviously, something that is all is dear to all of us. And, and, you know, we all need to be conscious about, I think it just boils down to planning, making sure you're actually aware of what you're investing in, what your options are and, and mapping out a plan. This takes some time to write out, to understand how to evaluate a rental property. And that's okay. That's what we're here for is to help you you know create that plan and actually map it out. But you, you got to do that. You got to take the time to do that because that helps you understand what you're doing. And then also focus on what, what are your options? Talk to the people to really fully understand things, so I mean, what do you, what do you guys think?
2: I mean, yeah, I think definitely your financial plan, like I spoke on earlier, and also because I like to con- like consider your your personality and like personal finance is inherently personal. And so, how do you feel about investing? Do you need to be in control, or is it okay to feel like someone else is going to take care care of it for you? And I think the uh, the thing that my parents and grandparents have always preached is that. It's less risky to invest in the stock market because pretty consistent returns, et cetera. But it's certainly, that's the conventional wisdom. If you really think about it personally, if you like to control your investments and you like to to understand what's going on, that can take a lot of the risk out of the equation because Warren Buffett says risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. And a lot of people don't know what they're doing right now. Someone else is just handling it for them. (laughs) So if you're invested in real estate, which I think has the lowest risk out there of, of any kind of kind of retirement strategy, and you understand what you're doing, you can actually add value to your property as well with renovations and doing those that renovations that have a uh, high return on uh, that investment. Like you fix up a bathroom and it inc- increases the value of it. You have those physical options to use to to change the value of your investment and therefore retirement plan. However, in the stock market, the market does what the market wants, and it's truly you're benefiting from speculation happening. People paying higher and higher prices for equities um, and even bonds, right? It's it's this big trading thing going on versus investing for true fundamentals and cash flow and creating real value to society. What value are you providing to society when? you're benefiting from speculators in the stock market versus creating housing for someone that is really in need and so you're creating a business you're contributing to the economy you're doing renovations you're supporting local contractors and that just feels so much better to me than uh, my fidelity account
0: i love that adam likes to refer to it as a like a win-win-win-win scenario yeah. right? If you're, I mean, and it mm-hmm. probably could go on and on, but I mean, providing yet yeah, housing is a necessity. And I think to summarize your point, Sam, it's all about control and being it. And the more you're educated and the more, you know, and, and control your, your financial independence, you can also create your own returns, you know, simple things, value adds. It could be little things, increasing rents over time, decreasing expenses. We talk about multifamily and cap rates and how they're, I mean, the simple fact of like dividing up, water to be allocated uh, as a tenant expense little things like that you can create your own value well beyond and have control in that well beyond what you know you' just reliant on on the overall market to do I think it was Warren Buffett that also said you know invest in what you know and nothing more um, and that's you know that's exactly why we, we know real estate uh, and this is just on a personal level we know real estate we've been successful with it that's why we'll continue to invest in and, and, and really nothing more, and, and that's okay. That's not saying that's the case for everyone. Um, and we talked about a lot for anyone listening today. Uh, there's probably just you know a lot of ideas going around and things that people want to learn more about about like how to set up a self directed IRA or solo four hundred one k. What are some additional tax benefits? We've covered all those topics in detail in, in other videos and podcasts. You know, so just go onto our channel and look through those. Um, But this is just kind of a a general brainstorming and comparison um, topic just to go through and kind of keep those wheels turning. It's all about education over time.
1: Yeah, and when you look at, when y'all talk about control, it it always makes me smile when I hear people talk about kind of investing in real, and not in real estate, in the stock market. Because if you think about the control that you need and the trust you have to have, you know, you come to rent a retirement or you look at real estate with an agent or something like that, you really have to trust them or us one time. You know, it's one-time trust, 25, dollars $30,000, something like that. You get a property, you get to see how it goes. When it comes to financial planning, you're trusting that person every single day for your life. You know, for as long as you have them, every single day, they can do something dumb to make your net worth go down to potentially zero. You know, you're trusting them a whole lot. You know, even if it's your best friend or yourself or your spouse, every single day, something can happen that goes down. There's no insurance on stocks, really. You know, you're not, you don't have that safety net. You know, you come to us, let's say you buy a house, maybe it's the worst possible experience. tenant destroys the house, it burns down, all of that stuff. Well, guess what? You still have your insurance on the property. No matter what happens, you still own the land, so you're coming out of it with something. But you don't have that security net on the other side.
0: I really look at real estate as a holding place for capital. Uh, you know, it's a physical asset that's growing equity over time through appreciation and debt down. It's producing income. You know, that's through through the cash flow, and you get your tax benefits through it. But the reality is, and if you buy smart. If you're investing in a property that is a strong investing area in the path of progress, all the areas that we focus on has positive cash flow. There's going to be investors that are interested in those properties. If you have to sell that property, you know, and, and you bought it appropriately and it's a smart investment, you you can liquidate it at any point in time. You know, there's always people looking for cash flow. So I mean, that's a good point, Adam. If if you you know decide that real estate isn't for you, and we've had people that have done this, whether they, you know, whatever the reason is. It's uh, you know they lose sleep at night with tenants or what it's just not for them or if they just have other investments they want to transition up to ten thirty one, you know it's very easy to liquidate a single family house that has positive cash flow in a good market, and so that's the way I look at real estate is it's just a holding place for capital that you're utilizing to create cash flow and grow your net worth over time. It's you're not going to have a scenario where yeah your 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 entire investment is subject to disappearing or going down by half in a blink of an eye
1: yeah and I've met a lot of the people who who uh, handle other people's money, and I don't trust several of them. <laughs> <laughs> I always looked at and this is a good point about mentorship when i when I look to someone to take advice from or to
0: manage my my money, I want to be looking to someone that's in the position that I want to be in, someone that's already done what i I want to do and create. I don't want to go and take advice from someone who's selling me a product or trying to tell me what to do with my money when They're not in the place that I want to be, and already, like in in most of those cases, I'm in a better position than those people. Why would I take advice from them? So, I mean, those are the people that I seek out for knowledge, and I think that's an important thing.
2: Well, if I can add one thing, I had mentioned this in my YouTube video that I presented like a year ago, and to any of our listeners, go back and check that out too for more info. But one of the biggest things that gives me a bad taste in my mouth from financial advisors is the way in which they represent returns on your 401k or your IRA or anything. They can say something called the average return. And they can basically say that you made 50% this year in appreciation of your portfolio. And then the next year you'll have minus 50%, right? And what they're not saying is they'll tell you they got you, you're, a, you're even, right? Your average return was zero because 50%, 50% negative and positive equals zero average return. However, if you are up 50% from $100, then you're at $150. But if you go down 50%, you're at $75. And so you're behind where you started, but they'll tell you your average return was, was zero. And you're squ- you feel like you're square, but you're not. And so you really have to understand the language of money management and financial advising because you could be getting taken advantage of and not knowing it because they're still taking their one or 2% fee
0: every single year, regardless, regardless. of your money. Yeah. that's a beautiful point, Sam. And it really comes down to education and understanding, you know, and I'm, you know, if there's any financial advisors listening, this isn't to, you know, um, throw you under the bus here, but I think, I think the reality is a lot of the financial advisors that, that we network with and work with us is it's, it's not just one size fits all for every single person which often is the case, even though you may diversify a little bit more for high risk and low risk and whatever. Um, I like to work with financial advisors that own real estate and invest in real estate, and they know real estate. They know other asset classes, commodities. Maybe they know something about Bitcoin. I don't touch it, but you know something that, uh, that they're aware of is it's not just a one-size-fits-all. Those are the, the people that I really take, take valuable advice from is the ones that, that offer multiple avenues of, of different types of diversification.
1: And I was going to say a quote, I believe the quote is something like, uh, you know, all of the CEOs of these major companies of the major advising companies have yachts, but where are the customers yachts? And uh, none of them somehow have yachts. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, none of us own a yacht, uh, but we all own rental property. So at least we can say that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I can rent a boat. That's that's what really matters. I don't want to own them. Here's the last thing that I'll say on this topic, which is
2: looking at your retirement strategy down the road. It's, yeah, of course you want to think about taxes and that's important, but is that a holistic view of your retirement strategy? If you have investment properties, and in, let's say all the markets that we work in all around the United States, well, by the time you retire, you'll have paid off properties and you can go ahead and choose which one you want to move to. And if it's a nice spot, you can retire there and you can retire in sunny Cape Coral, Florida. So that's another consideration too, is those other intrinsic things that can really play into your
0: retirement strategy besides just the straight up numbers. I love that you mentioned that Sam because that's invaluable. It's, it's not just actually about the cash flow and income. Um, you know, there's there's other intrinsic things, as you mentioned, to to look at that uh, could provide a very viable, you know, benefit to your retirement picture. Um, and you can start planning for that now. And then uh, the the biggest thing I think on the final point is just how you got to look at the picture of, okay, when, when your time is done here, how, how is all the work that you put in your net worth? How is that transitioning to your heirs and your family? And what type of taxes is that subject to? That's important to look at. And it's dramatically different depending on if you have money in certain types of accounts and stocks and bonds and real estate. and, And what are your tax advantages to pass those things on to set your family up for success?
1: absolutely so on that note let's uh wrap it for today really appreciate everybody listening to the show as we talked about the uh the wonderful world of 401ks and real estate uh check us out at rent that's rent to retirement.com you can schedule a call with one of the investment strategists to talk about your portfolio and your plan we're happy to help you walk through that you can also find all of our partners who can help you with uh all aspects of real estate. You know, we're real we're real estate investors too, as you can hear us talking about. And so we need them in our network and we're happy to connect you with them. You can also see the inventory we have up there all across the country. If you have any interest in them, you can see it right there on the site and reach out to us. That's at rent to retirement.com. If you have any questions for us, email it to podcasts at rent to retirement.com. That's podcasts at rent to retirement.com. We'd really appreciate you leaving a review on your podcast platform, whatever that might be, and letting us know what you think of the show. And until next time, see you on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening to the Rent to Retirement podcast, your number one resource for wealth building, real estate investing, and stress-free retirement strategies. Continue your real estate education and invest with us at Rent renttoretirement.com.